welcome to the very first uh, Left of Greg podcast. Uh, of course, your host and moderator will be myself, Mr. Brian Marin. And of course, we have uh, Mr. Greg Williams, for which the podcast is named after. And then joining us today is going to be Mr. Cody Banders, um, badass former Navy SEAL and all around uh, a good guy. I wish I could say the same for Greg, but uh, we're here to talk a little bit about the uh, what we do uh, about human behavior, pattern recognition analysis, about some training and education, and a few other topics just to kind of give people a little bit more familiarity. So, uh, Greg, first of all, the designer of these HBPRNA programs, all these successful human behavior programs used uh, throughout the Department of Defense, intelligence community, private organizations, public organizations, uh, schools, hospitals, churches. Um, pretty much anything where there's one human being interacting with another human being, Greg has some type of experience with it and can articulate it. So we want to kind of talk about some of that today. And uh, from there, we'll kind of get into what we do and, and, and why we do it. And, uh, you know, we want to thank uh, Cody again for uh, joining us today. You've had some experience with uh, some of the programs Greg has developed in the past, as have I. Um, and uh, so I think we can kind of take it from there. And um, just a, a couple things, Greg, if you want to say anything off the beginning, but otherwise today we're going to, going to start by talking about basically the difference between training and education and, and what is training, what is education, what, what, what's the reason behind one, what's the difference with the other, and kind of how we approach that topic. And so I think that's kind of a good starting point to, uh, uh, to, to start with, actually. So, uh, Greg, do you want to uh, open, I'll open up the floor to you to start and maybe give a brief little intro and then we can go from there. Thanks, Brian. And uh, I'd, I'd just like to take a moment and uh, thank uh, Brian Marin for setting up the first ever podcast for Arcadia uh, and coming up with the name Left of Greg, which is priceless uh, for so many reasons. Yeah. Uh, we, and we can go uh, over that sometime if we we, we will. That's a podcast on its own. Thank you <laughs> for all those thieves out there, intellectual uh, pirates. Uh, it's worse than a Porsche pirate, by the way. I'd like to just say to uh, Brian and McKaylee and Harper, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And clearly to Cody Banders, my, my dear friend, and his beautiful wife, Laurel, his children, Clinton, Luke, and his little Ruger, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And finally, Brian, some, uh, some pretty good news this morning. Uh, they were actually uh, talking about a new house flipping show in Chicago. Oh, and God. It was, it was called Windy City Rehab, yeah. and I immediately thought of you and your family over <laughs> of, the holidays. Of course, that would be, once again, its own series if uh, they ever <laughs> exactly. tried to put the Marin family through rehab. Exactly. But you know what? I, I think at least, if nothing else, uh, you could sue them uh, for ownership of that name. You know? <laughs> but, uh, Brian, I just, I just wanted to add also, I, I, I completely understand the, the topic at hand the difference between training and education and how lucky we are to have a, a, a former Navy SEAL and just an incredible guy that trains all the time and has done a lot of training all over the world uh, with us, as well as you uh, with a, a, a very, very uh, astute training background. I'm, I'm lucky and honored to have you guys here. I also want to make sure that we're couching this in something. So the lesson learned, I think, at the end of the day will be um, how uh, training vice education impacts training, for example, active shooters or school shooters, or uh, rage, uh, you know, road rage, or domestic violence rage. So as long as we have a point to where the podcast is going, I, I think the viewers uh, uh, will, will appreciate it that much more. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So uh, might as well kick it off, because uh, you've done a lot, uh, a, that's a lot in terms of training over, over many decades with, uh, like we said, military, law enforcement, uh, public, private companies. And so over those years of experience, you know, I, I, there's, there's certain uh, uh, tangible takeaways like you just discussed on, on, on what, what you want to come away with uh, in training versus education and how a lot of stuff out there uh, may be good. And, and the, the people who put it out there are research it and, and have the greatest intentions, but sometimes it falls short because it kind of falls into that education category versus the training category. Yeah, and, and that's such a great question. And uh, I, I think the if we're going to put this in a box just to make sure that we have something to throw uh, darts at, we would say the difference between training and education uh, from 30,000 feet is that training changes behaviors. A education may pass uh, uh, knowledge or, or uh, uh, you know, this is a great book or research item or, 
know, these are some great quotes that'll typify what we're talking about. But if you can't change the behavior in the human, then it's not training. And, and the difference is that training, the true people that are dedicated to training are out there doing three big things. Number one, cognitive task analysis. In other words, we have to understand exactly what it is that we're going to train about, that there's a need for that training, and what specific skills we want to go into. Then the second two, the ELOs and the TLOs, enabling learning objectives. In other words, what are those pieces, that part task training, that we have to throw into a training regimen that are essential to getting that core task? And then the enabling learning objectives will go to the terminal learning objectives. In other words, what exactly is it that we want that student to take away. We need to transfer a skill. And that skill has to be a tangible skill that we can say they didn't know after the training and education, they did know it. And, and so I'm, I'm really hot on that. Uh, I, I would liken it to shooting. Everybody talks about uh, uh, different weapon systems. And what we're really talking about here is everything that enables the terminal uh, uh, ballistics of that bullet or that weapon system. What is it that we're going to get out of using this weapon over the other weapon? Training's the same way, uh, if that makes sense to you. No, I think the the, the shooting analogy uh, that you just used is, is a big one, especially since there's so much training within law enforcement and military, especially when it comes to weapon stuff. Is That's just it right there. Because you can go on YouTube right now and find out uh, people take, or just in conversations, having gun debates on this over that, or this caliber, or this length of barrel over this. But but what you just said is it it starts with, well, what is our end state? What's the terminal objective we have here what are we trying to do and then now let's figure out the best way to get from where we're at now to that terminal objective so so that's a that's another great point that you brought up and one one question i would i would pose and it's 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 largely rhetorical but i want to make sure it's out there uh my entire life guns and ammo has been around my dad's life i know he used to collect it i don't know when they started but guns and ammo has got a long rich history of talking about different calibers and comparing those and having question and answers When's the last time you saw the training journal where people shared ideas like that? And somebody's going to call in. They're going to go, oh, you haven't heard of this and that. I've heard of all of them. And you know what? At the bottom line, you can't just rehash these new ideas that come up. Everything is a very simple principle. Cognitive task analysis, what is it that we're going for? Enabling learning objectives that get us to the terminal learning objectives. And then assessing whether we reach those objectives. And the only way to do that is, Heart test training, practical application, uh, uh, longitudinal studies. So study is necessary. So um, great point with that. Uh, so so what what separates what you do? So so my experience, and I'm sure Cody has a similar experience, is when I first went through your training or first heard you speak, uh, probably a decade ago by now at least. Um, you know, it went something about that light bulb went on for me and said, "Well, wait a minute, this is different." well, you know, I, I really enjoy this. I really like it. And I, I see the utility of it as well. This isn't just a one trick pony that you can use for, hey, this specific situation at this moment, you flip on this switch. It was something completely different. So well, why do you think that your approach to this? Because there's a lot of people that teach about human behavior and there's people that teach about, you know, hey, uh, the psychology behind it and even the physiology and the biology behind it and why people do certain things. And I think with you, it's just a more practical application of just, well, look, that stuff can go down. You can spiral off in a million places with this, but you've kind of boiled it down to this, that this is what you need to do. So your training, in a sense, the changing of behaviors, um, that, that's, that's as powerful as, as me on the range practicing when I first got a rifle, how to do a magazine reload you know, over and over and over again until I got fast enough and faster and faster and faster. And then you have to continue that. Whereas I kind of had that, I felt I had that same takeaway when I went through your training, but there was no shooting, there was no fighting, there was no, none of the, it, it was all just, it was all everything, uh, what was going on right up here. Yeah, yeah, and the theater of the mind is really important. And Brian, I want to answer your question, but I think to, to caveat the remarks that you just made and put a finer point on it, I'd like to, to go over to Cody. And uh, uh, Cody, what you've just heard is Brian uh, explaining his first experience I'd love to hear what you, uh, what you thought of the first experience being exposed to this different type of human behavior-based threat uh, prediction and analysis. Yeah, thanks. Uh, let me echo the Merry Christmases, and, and I'm, I'm lucky to be here, guys. Um, blessed, to, blessed to be in good company here. Um, I, I, let, me, let me start by saying, so I, I, college can be a cuss word in this crowd, I know, but you know, I've, I've got the education of an engineer. 
um, that education um, in college didn't prepare me to walk into my first civil engineering job and prepare a set of construction documents. Furthermore, it didn't qualify me at all to step out onto a construction site and, and uh, erect a building uh, or drop sewer into the ground. So what I, what I found with Greg's training was it gave us the academic um, baseline to know where the information's coming from. So it's not just smoke and mirrors and, and, um, <clears throat> you know, snake oil. Hey, this, this works cause I'm saying it works and I'm the guy that's up front and I'm holding the, the PowerPoint projector button, but it was, Hey, here's, here's the science behind it. Here's the human history behind it. And then, Hey, well, let's watch it happen in real time from, from real tragic videos uh, real life scenarios. Let's study it. Let's look at what happened in Mumbai or let's look at what happened in France. And then let's go downstairs in the high bay and let's walk it out. And let me, let me show you guys what this looks like and let you guys um, interrupt, you know, the tactical pause that we used to do and, and, and walk it out. And so that, for me, that's where it, it, it changed because I, my training in the military was, Hey, let's go sit through PowerPoints and then everybody go on the range and, uh, you know, we had our PowerPoint on, on the left flank. So now we're going we're gonna to go handgun it. We're going to lift gun it for a little bit. And then we're just going to put bullets in the guns. And we're just going to go do it. You know, this thing was uh, with Greg, human behavior pattern recognition analysis. It's, it, was, um, it was crawl, walk, run to the hard wire. It was hardwired into us by the, time we were, by the time we were watching it happen. Because everything, everything built upon itself. Uh, and it all stayed consistent. So for me... That was like Brian's, you know, the, the, the kind of scales came off and it changed everything for me. I never looked at training or any real life military scenario or any walk to the supermarket or park in my car. I never looked at anything the same after I realized how much information is there uh, in the human terrain uh, that's, that's, that's there for the taking. So you, so, so not, I, I just wanted to say enough yeah, of ahead, both Greg. of you complimenting me. Uh, I think now it's time for me to compliment me. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to be, uh, trying to express some humility. It's really hard to do that. Thanks, guys. I'm blushing. So if my immense head isn't glowing enough, I'm sorry, Brian, please. Uh, uh. Yeah. So, so you brought up, uh, I think, the, a couple of points, which, which kind of what I was getting at with my question is you said, you know, one, it was about the science and the human history. And then you said, study past events, which, which everyone does, right? Everyone knows the case study and the players and they did this and they probably, but but then what you said too is, is then you walk it out and you go, all right, well, how did they actually do that? Well, let's go, let's go do it. Let's do a, let's do a mock-up of that. So now I learn it. And then you said something, it's, it's, it becomes hardwired. So Greg, I don't know if you could comment uh, on those. Well, I know you can, uh, uh, but a, a little bit, just what exactly what Cody was saying, which got me is that uh, when I started learning the skill set, you know, I went through a, a, a T3 training academy for three straight weeks of listening to you talk all day long, which would be, I would be falling asleep at night, hearing your voice in my head. It was like winding down, like, like a, like that, that, that stereo got a little bit slower and then I would fall asleep. Then I wake up and spin back up with your voice in my head. But that's why I was, it was, it was hardwired. So what is it about the science and the human history that, that Cody's talking about that makes, that makes uh, uh, your training so sticky where, where, where it becomes hardwired uh, versus yeah. something. Oh, Hey, I remember that great course. What did that guy show us? Remember he made that good point. What was it? Whereas yours is we're rattling it off right away. Well, and, and to put a, put a yet another fine point on it, Brian, thanks for uh, uh, you, you're both. You got to remember there's clusters of cues that are orbiting us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, everywhere that we go. When human beings had to rely on reading uh, those environmental cues, we were much more in tune with our personal safety and security. We've devolved. Basically, those skills have retarded over time because we haven't used them. And we're so much more likely to go up and ask for a number three in a clown's mouth and get it supersized than have to think about where I'm going uh, tomorrow. Like, like, for example, to, to, to compare us, and we'll bounce around a little, but uh, it's just like class, I guess. When, when we're looking at, a, a, for example, uh, working in the Hindu Kush, and, and the person there, uh, a splinter could be a death sentence because they don't have the medical stuff that we have. And they have to, to go through and hand sift the rice that they're going to eat uh, uh, this afternoon to make sure there's not large chunks of concrete or bugs uh, 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 that are in it. We, we haven't had to do that in so long. 
that we don't consider it anymore. And so our amygdalic reactions, our, our, our core competencies of the brains, don't go there first. So we're so much more in our prefrontal cortex and just responding to stimulus the way that we responded to it yesterday. So we're repeating those behavior patterns over and over. And that's why denial, which is so dangerous to the human mind, comes in and all of a sudden the person is standing by my car and I go, well, that's odd, that's my car. The next thing you know, out comes the gun or the knife and then we're in the middle of a robbery and the guy says, don't turn this robbery into a homicide. We didn't do any predictive analysis. We didn't look at where we parked uh, as compared to the open uh, door or the light that was on. And why don't we assess those things? And why do we lose so many soldiers, airmen, uh, uh, Marines, uh, uh, Coast Guard, Navy in combat? Because that learning curve, well, we don't need to spend the time on the learning curve if we make the information sticky. And to answer your question, the way we make information sticky is we assign a motion to a memory. Because the greatest emotions that you have in your memory, uh, the birth of a child, uh, uh, sad memory, uh, your first DUI, uh, uh, sad memory, uh, the person next to you, uh, you know, turning into a ballistic gelatin when they got hit with a, a you know, a, a dishka. Th those horrible memories or good memories have a way of becoming sticky. Some, sometimes that's where PTSD comes from. Other times that's where we get overcome with emotion at a wedding, thinking of our wedding. Well, whatever the memory, what we have done, what I have done, is I have taken all of that learning and understanding myelination or myelinization of the brain. I have put it into a very simple formula, circle. The very first is the hook. I got to hook you because if you're not paying attention and listening, then all the material, all the great material on that PowerPoint or document or anything else is going to go away. Your brain has to be paying attention. And advertisers know this better than anybody. Uh, advertisers, Las Vegas, uh, prostitutes, they know how to get right to the point right away. So that's the hook at the beginning. Then, as Cody said, what you got to do is understand the basics of the science around the topic. For example, uh, if we were talking about auditory exclusion, you don't necessarily hear those loud bangs when a guy's shooting at you in combat. Well, why is that? Or, or perceptual narrowing. Uh, uh, when an incident happens, my focus lock goes to the incident and I lose my peripheral vision and that can be dangerous. How does that happen? So we touch on that. But you don't have to go for a degree program every single time you're talking about vision or perceptual narrowing or anything else. I've done all the research for you. My instructors have done all the research. So we'll give you the basics of the idea. This is the concept. Then what we'll do is we'll say, look how it was used here. Lao Tzu did it back there. Uh, the, the, the North Korea uh, uh, you know, versus uh, China did it here. A cop on the street did it in San Francisco. And so did a, a guy crossing the border crossing outside of Laredo. Why do we bounce all over the place? Because once you understand that all humans are the same all over the world, it makes it easier for you to put yourself in the shoes of that human at that time and that place. Why is that important? Because now I can compare what that person's likely seeing. Am I an opponent? Am I a victim? Are things going well or poorly? And that creates the baseline. Baseline plus anomalies, something that isn't fitting the baseline drives your decision. And it's literally that simple. What happens with education is we tie ourselves up with this formulaic education system that's been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years, that everybody sits in a row and everybody looks at the teacher and everybody does this at a certain time. Death by PowerPoint, check in the box training, and your brain has had enough and you're not learning anything. So it has to be inspirational. It has to be memorable. Uh, memorable and it also ha has to have spirals so you can engage in critical thinking skills. In other words, critical thinking skills almost everybody has, if then. But advanced critical thinking skills are, okay, listen, I always uh, concealed carry, but today when I ran into the city market, I didn't. My gun is in the car. I now have an active shooter in aisle three. What do I do? Those type of situations in your brain are just as real as they are in combat. And therefore, the training for the real event is essential. If you're going to train for the real event, you have to train the whole body, and that includes cognition. So before you ever engage a target, before you ever use this, you got to use this. And, and uh, I'm pointing to my finger and then pointing to my brain on my immense head. Uh, but Brian, if, if, if that gives you sort of a, an outline in Cody of how I think about training without getting in the weeds, which we will on future podcasts, talk about Bayesian styles or, you know, how we do a specific training iteration. Uh, that's what's different. We're different because I still get people calling me, and I'm sure both of you do, years after they've taken the training and said, hey, 
I saw this go down just like one of your scenarios. I knew that this was going to happen, and it felt like I was right back in class. And, there, and there's no uh, greater testament uh, to the program than, than hearing those survivors call us. Right. And, and one of the things that, that uh, you know, I learned from you, too, just when you're when, – anytime someone is in front of you talking, first of all, if, you know, if, if someone's in front of you teaching you something, someone put them there, they are supposed to have some type of knowledge that you don't, right? Or, or to pass along whatever that information could be. It could be a, you know, hey, this is where you stand in line at the in and out Hey, this is where the drive through is. It doesn't matter what it is. That person is, is, is in charge – for that second uh, of time and space that you're there. But the big thing was always, what's the, so what? And, and that's how it became to, to me was, was my reaction was, oh yeah, now I get it. Cause you can make all these great points and talk about, you know, you know, visual and perceptual narrowing and auditory exclusion, everything you just talked about. But then the, what, what's, what a lot of people miss, I think, is that, that leap to the, well, so what, what does that mean for me? What's in it for me? And then, so I took that and just anytime I'm in any education or training course, if I'm not getting the, so what I see it right away. It's almost like this guy's not giving it to me. I need to understand. And that's where the questions come in. And I think even people who know what they're talking about, a lot of subjects, they don't do a good job of that. And so I I don't know, Cody probably has that same experience too with sitting through that. You're like, Oh, this, this does make sense to me. I I, I get the, so what? And that's what I think the biggest uh, one of the one of the biggest things that that the differences between that training and education is besides that training change behaviors. Well, mm-hmm. like you just said, even if just that education piece, if I get the so what, I know now how I, I now know how to pl- apply it uh, uh, conceptually, right? I don't have to be in that same exact specific situation that we did a training scenario for. I can be in something that's different, but prototypically, but it, you know, but it's the same. It's the same exact thing. That and. and- and the way that the training unfolds and you get to see, you get to see a look back, you know, at, at either a, a well-known event or maybe something not so well-known that's on closed circuit television. And you can, you can watch Greg and Brian and, and the wonderful, ex, you know, extraordinary instructors walk you through and say, Hey, if you were sitting right here, look at, look at what you could look, what you could have stopped. Look at the cluster of clues here. Here's a baseline. Here's everybody. Now look at this guy. Here's an anomaly. What do we do with anomalies? Oh, now we got three of them, kill, capture, contact, right? And so when you can see that happen and then put yourself in that position and know that when you walk out that door and you get in your car, you're going to have that exact same skill set. For me, that was the so what. It was, you know, I, I need to be in a combat theater with in a, on, a, on, a, on a platoon patrol to use the left flank, Right. I don't need that to walk out and use advanced critical thinking, HBP, RNA, and, and go, you know, make a difference and live a safer life as a harder target that's out there um, able to, willing to, uh, and ready to, you know, protect, serve, uh, prevent. That, that brings up a great point, Cody. And if I can, if I can caveat on that one, when, when you take a, a look at what we do, we want to make you harder, faster, smarter, stronger. Uh, and when we say harder, Hardening the target means harder to kill. And uh, as a SEAL, uh, you couldn't always go kinetic. It wasn't always the right answer. Uh, uh, A body count uh, wasn't what you were going for at the end of the day. If you could cooperatively get your mission done without having to smoke check a bunch of fools, all the better. But I think what happens is people miss the point. Not all information gathered through perception is uh, is useful. And not all information ever raises to the standard of intelligence. And human intelligence, understanding what's going on on the ground, is so much more important than reacting to something, react to fire, react to contact, react to whatever it is that we're reacting to. So if you can outthink a human. If you can predict their next likely move, you can save lives on the battle space. And I'll give you one, one SEAL example and, and, and throw it back to you, Cody. Uh, I remember training Deb Grew so many years ago and, and uh, when, when, I, when I met you on the East Coast. Uh, uh, and uh, there was a cardboard box outside of the room. And every SEAL that walked by had to throw his phone in that cardboard box uh, so nobody uh, uh, was not paying attention when you got in there. Something that simple was a lesson that young SEALs saw every day that, hey, listen, we're about to go into training and this is much more important than any of those other distractions. That's huge. And you know what? If, if we could put that drop on the tongue of everybody that was about to go into combat, that there's these certain small lessons that you have to know that'll make you harder to kill in combat. 
all the better. Would you agree with that? 100%, 100% because the mindset is everything. You know, if you, if you walk in, no matter what the training is, if you walk in there slack jawed and, and, and you got better things to do, then what are you going to take away? Yeah. And so when we, when we treat it with the reverence it needs and, and that's, you know, Brian, Brian calls it the, so what, but you know, why do I need this? Or why is this important? And Greg, you start, you, you talked about earlier and we talk about all the time on the phone, all three of us, um, you know, everybody needs to know these things, no matter what their organization is. Um, and, and, you know, to harden their target harder to kill, you know, cause we don't need to be hard and stupid. Um, that's it. And we have to be agile. We, yeah. we have to be, we have to be fast moving and we have to stay in that spot that we all refer to as left of bank and, and, and left of bank has been misused and, and misattributed so many times. But I'll, mm. I, I, I think I'll give you an example of that. When you take a look at a situation, you have to size up quickly where your dollars need to be spent because somebody watching right now is talking about the price of training and education and how expensive real training is and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a dodge. And, and Cody, you and I have an experience. Uh, we, we know a person <clears throat> that's very high up in the government. Uh, he's a governor of one of the 50 states. So I'll narrow it down that far. And he said, Hey, this is my number one priority. <clears throat> we want to get this type of human behavior based threat prediction and analysis and advanced critical thinking to every single one of our schools, and this is how we're going to do it. So the next stop, the leader of all of his law enforcement services. Law enforcement service guy takes a look at it, and he's the head guy. And he says, this needs to be policy. Needs to be in every school. Needs to be in every law enforcement. First responders need it. We need it everywhere. Then he goes, I I will assign this to my training guy. So then it goes to their training guy, who's the head training guy. Okay, advanced three months later a bunch of emails a bunch of phone calls and now some young uh lance corporal or private calls me uh is this mr williams uh yeah hey tell me about your program uh i was told to research it so then we go back to the top and go wait a minute this is this important we need your input we need your time we need all that other stuff and guess what starts again here we are back in that mobius loop of going back to the head guy going down to it if we don't take training seriously we need to buy more body bags. And, and mm-hmm. I'll throw one more at you along that. And, Brian, I know both you and Cody want to respond to that. Yeah. Let's talk just uh, 8 November uh, last month, Borderline mm-hmm. Bar and Grill. Uh, Ian David Long, former Marine, walks in with, uh, with a Glock 45, uh, kills 12 people, injures 18, uh, uh, and then ventilates himself. Okay. One, we're not going to have time to show how simple predictive analysis can be uh, uh, in certain incidents. And I certainly don't want to poke anybody in eye in this incident, but I will tell you this, everybody at the borderline bar and grill, which is the host to many huge acts, everybody from the beach boys. And I, I can't get into all the names of the acts that have uh, played there before. This wasn't their first rodeo. This isn't the first time that they've had a bunch of people there and they've got security measures inside and they've got security measures outside. What I'm saying is if we back up and take a look at the valet in the parking lot, The day that Ian Long showed up, left his car running, left the door open, comes out dressed all in black with a day pack on and a Glock in his hand and the gloves and all that other stuff, somebody had to know at that exact second to hit that buzzer and nobody pressed the buzzer. Nobody pressed the buzzer because all the countermeasures were inside the building. All the alarms were inside and we had this exit strategy and and, and somebody's going to go, hey, I'm making fun of the borderline bar. I'm making fun of Ian Long. Not true. There was a copper that was shot responding uh, uh, to the incident, and uh, in its 50s, a family guy. And, and here you got a, the, the guy thinking, hey, I'm going to show up to this incident, and I'm going to take out this active shooter, just like we've talked uh, before in, in, in uh, uh, school shootings and the like, in hospital emergency room shooting, uh, Ron Hellis. So uh, Sergeant Ron Hellis pulls up, goes in to confront the gunman, and he's executed, shot to death by other first responders, other coppers. So... Now we have this big incident. If you draw a big rectangle of the parking lot of that bar and you say that Ian Long was the one that was an anomaly to the baseline, somebody could have stopped that assault early on. Lives would have been saved. Okay, now, if you take a look at Ron Hellis, Ron Hellis responds to the incident and pulls out a gun. What is every other uh, uh, person trying to stop that shooting scene? They're seeing exactly what they want. They have confirmation bias, and here is Ron Hellis with a gun, inside the building so they light them up like it's the fourth of july and as sad as that happens it's going to continue to happen because we do education 
and training is via a video or a PowerPoint, not for the real event. No practical applications, no putting people in the, in the uh, situation. And as sad as that incident is, it's going to continue to be repeated and has been uh, all over the world because of that lack of understanding of training. Well, let's take it. We can take that to a, to a more basic level um, in, in training, you know, preparing for the podcast today. I was thinking back on, on my military training. Uh, Brian, you, you've, you've run a turret in the Humvee before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we all know the procedure. If that Humvee starts to roll, the guys in the, in the back right and left seat are supposed to grab the turret gunner and pull them pull in, them right? In. Yep. And if you're that turret gunner, you're supposed to suck it in, right? Yep. How many times did we actually do that? Exactly. How many, how many times did we run that drill? We didn't. Why? Because we're in the military. They told us the procedure, and then we went out, and we just did normal training. We drove on roads and gravel, and we shot the gun, and we never did an actual – there was no setup there for everyone to pull a target gun around. Well, how many guys did we, have we lost in training alone on, exactly. on rollovers with a guy in the turret? And that's a great point. And then what they'll do is we'll say, all right, well, let's build – Let's manufacture, let's hire someone to build some type of system on that turret so that if he rolls, that turret somehow blasts him with something to shoot him. Like we we offer, we get a mechanical advantage. And that's a great point that I have a a good friend of mine uh, who, uh, Marine, uh, was doing security work overseas uh, for State Department, different government agencies. And he would sit when he drove before they went out on a mission this simple, this is how simple it is. He would sit there and he would close his eyes and he would practice going through, okay, vehicle down, vehicle down. What do I do? And he would try every single gear. So he would practice going to this first work, the second work, this third, does reverse work. Well, guess what happens when they get blasted with an IED and his vehicle goes down? He goes right into it. He finds that for some reason reverse still works and he was able to reverse out of a situation mm-hmm. where there's video. You can look it up of other the, the famous uh, British guys outside of Baghdad who yeah. was sitting there. His vehicle was in neutral. Yeah. In he neutral, I've seen it. couldn't yeah. drive. He couldn't drive, couldn't get out of the ambush. A lot of guys yeah. died because why? Yeah. His vehicle was still in neutral. And he was hitting the gas and nothing was going. So something that simple of a visualization of closing your eyes, that's training. That's the difference between someone going, hey, make sure if your vehicle goes down, your SOP is click, try first gear, click, try second gear. No, no, you sit in your vehicle, you close your eyes and you do it. And something, something that simple that cost him nothing. He didn't have to put together a PowerPoint to do that. Brian, uh, here, here's one for you. And I, I, uh, Cody, I'm sure you have the same memory. I, I got to get yanked out of, uh, uh, out of uh, Al-Assad and, and go uh, to Sadr City. So, so I'm going from the, from the uh, west to the east, and I, I first see an Osprey. Uh, don't know what the technical terms are on the Osprey, but everybody's hustled all the time, and it's got to go fast, and here we go. The seatbelt on the Osprey turned me into the village idiot. I had no idea what I was doing, and the more people were yelling at me and were already lifting off, I'm sitting there. So finally, I tied it in a knot a la the clampets uh, because I had no better. And then the dude next to me, all calm, you know, some young Lance Corporal looks at me and goes, hey, old timer, hold on, and hooks me up. Listen, of all the rollover training, of all the pre-execution training, nobody ever thought that you're going to turn into all thumbs and you're going to be a little scared and the adrenal cortex is pumping. I had no idea how to get that seatbelt on. That's training. That's where training is needed. That's your cognitive task analysis. How many times did we spend time? Is an osprey going to go down? You know, sure as there's going to be rain in spring. And, and so those type of training events can help me outthink a seatbelt. And all we're doing is protracting that to out, so, outthinking a, an active gunman. So, so Greg, this kind of comes up to my, my next point or next question, I guess, is why – why do we still do it the same way? So like I always say to you, sometimes we talk is like, we've, we've gotten a lot better. Every, every government agency, every civilian agency, uh, even security has gotten a lot better at reacting to a situation. So now we have different types of protocols and stuff in place. People are still coming out with different procedures. Hey, different companies who want to do great things, right? Everyone wants to protect schools. Who, who, who doesn't? So they go, Hey, look, I'm going to get my guys. We're going to train your teachers how to, you know, be, John Rambo and go running through the hallways and they're shooting it up. And it's like, okay, that I know their hearts in a good place and they're thinking what they know, but, but why are we still thinking right there? You know, we're, we're still going how people are already upset about the education system in the U S saying teachers aren't doing enough to to teach our children, but, but now we want to give them guns and make them security guards too. Okay. So why, how come, how come we're still doing that 
that uh, in the same way, we're still going, well, let's respond this way. Well, let's respond this way. Why is it so difficult for people to really, because we, when we brief people, they go, wow, this whole proactive thing. Yes, that, that makes sense. That, that's so, it's so self-evident, right? But, yep. but when it comes down to actually doing it, it's very hard for people to really grasp the concept. Why is that? Or what, what, from your uh, experience, you've had longer experience in this than myself or Cody, why is that become so hard for people to adopt that mentality? It's such a great question. And, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge everybody that's watching the podcast right now to go to the website. And Brian, please make sure that you tell everybody how to get to the website. And I would ask them to go back and take a look uh, at all of the, the resumes, the, the bona fides that are on there. The, uh, uh, but I really want you to check just for this topic today. Look at Brian Marin and look at Cody Banders and why they were chosen, why this topic was chosen. So now you'll have a background of how long they've been in training and how much training we three uh, can talk about. So uh, there's no measuring contest on the subject matter expertise. Then I will follow up your question with the, the guns and ammo uh, response, not to give a shout out to guns and ammo again, but uh, Brian, which is better, Weaver or Isosceles? And it's a rhetorical question because everybody is still fighting over that. And you know what? I've used neither when I've had to kill a person with a handgun. Exactly. Okay. The, 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 that's, the, that's point one. The second thing is, I don't know if you can see me. I, I can't see myself on camera. But this thing where you're grabbing your, your uh, uh, foregrip way up in front and you're hanging on to your weapon system differently and tucking it under your ear, uh, that looks beautiful. And by God, if that helps you shoot better in combat, I think that you should train to do that. But knowing when to shoot is a skill. And people go, oh, no, 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 we cover that in shoot, don't shoot. No, you don't. As a matter of fact, when I go to your shoot, don't shoot simulator and you have a chair and on the chair you have a duct taped uh, piece of paper that says cover and then you have another chair that says concealment, your brain knows, and I apologize for the street vernacular, bullshit. And your brain will call bullshit at that type of training, and it'll put that into your prefrontal cortex. It'll say, hey, that was really good training, and it's helpful to a point. But training for the real event means that you actually have to teach your brain, what would I do in that situation? And it's not about the weaver and the isosceles. It's not about, uh, should I uh, you know, uh, clear the rooms by this or that? Those are wonderful technical procedural things that all SWAT teams have to study. Predictive analysis means <clears throat> where in this room, for example, more people are right-handed than left-handed. It's more likely that if you're on the heels of the shooter and for whatever reason you're chasing him, he's going to turn right and turn left. That's pattern analysis. I need that pattern analysis because when the crap has hit the fan and I'm into it, I have to predict where's he likely going to go. Is it going to be negative space, dead space, or positive space? Well, let's say he's going to go into the negative space. Why? Because his brain tells him I must hide, even if I'm going to fight. And guess what? I have three to one odds uh, better if I'm in a defensive position or five to one odds in urban. Our brains are so incredible. And that shooter is in the zone. He's internal and he's thinking. And if you think that the only response is going to be your stance or your gear or your kit or your battering ram, you're out of your mind. Uh, a flashbang and chemical aerosol sprays aren't going to be working on this guy that's an active shooter because he's internal. He's already made his decision. You have to outthink him. What's he going to do next? Do I have to kill him? Do I have to, to withdraw my troops? Do I have to uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, create a distraction over here? to stop him from killing long enough that I can come in. Is a negotiator going to work? It, you know, and all those cues that the person is leaving before uh, uh, the shooter at the uh, uh, school in Florida uh, went to McDonald's after the shooting and was walking home when a street cop that was miles away and had nothing to do with the incident looks and goes, wow, it looks like a lot like the guy. But then he goes, yeah, but he's not shooting anybody. And the denial sets in that copper, is as important to the first responders. That copper is, is as important as the boots on the ground in Afghanistan or Iraq, uh, uh, you know, uh, clearing houses top down or bottom up. How do we get that need to cognitively train a soldier, sailor, airman, or marine into the highest level? They all say it and they all think it's being done. But I will tell you this, it's the emperor wear news clothes. Uh, uh, they think the training division is doing it and it's not happening. I will, I'll challenge you, Brian Marin, and, and, we can't talk about where you teach, but the same thing I'll challenge Cody with. Would you say that because uh, glow up money is drying up or has gone away, diff different colors of money, uh, that we're accepting less of a standard of a trained person? Are we shipping out the same type of trained person we were before? And I would say no. And I would say that, that we've lost that. Would, would you agree with that? 
I, I would definitely agree with that. And that comes down to that mindset again. It's like we always said, you know, Hey, when, when guys are coming home in body bags left and right, it's what's the best training, give it to us right now. We're working 24 seven. We're in that mindset. And then the second that slows down, it's, Hey, your sleeves uh, aren't rolled properly. It's this, it's now of, of, Hey, we got to turn over to this side. Cause we, we don't have that same mindset, that same op, op tempo. And people will say that like, well, we have to transition to a slower. No, 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 you, you don't, you, you can, whatever policies you need to have, you need to have, but but that mindset, that idea of that training is continuous. You can train all day long. You can do a, a rehearsal or anything. You know, I always tell people a mental rehearsal I do every single day, every single morning when I get up and I'm brushing my teeth, right? I look at myself in the mirror. And it's very simple. Someone may try to kill you today. Not someone's going to, not you got to get ready. This is yep. happening. All that does is enough <clears throat> to wake up my brain in the morning to go, Okay, with the, with the, I got to have this system running in the background of survival that, that someone could happen. And something that simple is what people don't realize is that that's a mental prime to go, all right, now I'm ready for action. And that's all it is. I don't have to walk around my environment fearing everything. That, that's the essence of cognitive overmatch. Listen, all, all of us, and, and, and Cody, I'd like you to chime in on that uh, from first to last experience. All of us have encountered the same thing. We go in, a guy's wearing... Uh, uh, you know, uh, normal street clothes and maybe shooting at you with an Enfield rifle or he has an AK and the guy can't get it from uh, full auto back to semi-auto. So, uh, you know, inshallah, he shot over our heads or whatever else. Uh, IEDs and, and how they've gone from unsophisticated to very highly sophisticated and weaponry and gear and stuff. So it, it doesn't matter what you think you've got, uh, Strack Troop, uh, Special Warrior and SWAT guy. Your enemy now has all of those things. They have night vision, they have thermals, they have weapon systems that can reach out and touch you. So what you thought you had is overmatch, uh, you don't. Mm -hmm. And if you're working in a place like Afghanistan, you're not using a tank anyway. So you don't have that type of overmatch. And you say, yeah, we still own the air. Yeah, until China or Russia decide to, to negate that. What do you have at the end of the day? Can I outthink, can I out mentally maneuver, cognitively overmatch my warrior? And if I can't, if my opponent... If I can't be that warrior that, that, that does that with a school shooter or uh, uh, a guy that's robbing me on a street corner or jacking my car at an intersection, if I can't outthink him, then I may be a victim, and that's unacceptable. So training has to have a cognitive component. Yeah, I think what, we've, what, what I've seen is, is um, we, we've kind of relegated ourselves to a procedural, uh, you know, this, we're going to follow the procedure. Uh, it's outlined, so we're just going to go do that, and we haven't pushed the envelope enough. Uh, we've we've kind of sat back on the laurels of of a um, quote unquote victory for 18 years of taking the fight to the enemy in the global war on terror. But what we haven't done is is prepared uh, all of our soldiers and all of our first responders and and all of our cops and all of our agents. We haven't prepared everybody to be. Um, to be their own best weapon. We've taught them how to use the weapon. We've taught them the procedure. Uh, we, you know, we taught them how to walk. Uh, we taught them how to shoot, but we didn't prepare everybody to be their own best weapon. And, and you can't do that if you don't know the human terrain you're working with. Um, you know, Greg, you, you mentioned the street cop that sees the shooter after the, um, after the fact at McDonald's, you know, and, and cognitive bias and, and uh, confirmation bias and, oh, I'm going to deny, denial, 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 you know, until, until it's right there on you, you don't know. Um, and, and how many times have we all seen that happen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. and, and that same ability, that second sight, that, that looking at a situation and anticipating what spirals may come out of it before you walk into that Shura, before you walk in as a cop to the domestic, mm -hmm. uh, uh, applies to an ambulance crew. Uh, if we were talking about Israel right now in the Gaza, uh, an ambulance might be a, a vehicle of extraction or it might be a bomb coming in uh, uh, as a secondary. We have to, without becoming hypervigilant, we have to be able to look at a situation, determine the likelihood. If the likelihood is uh, most likely, we can probably relax. If it's the most dangerous, we need to do something. And we need to do it now and fast to save our own life, to save somebody else's life. So, so this training package 
that keeps getting sold to somebody. And it doesn't matter what it is from the Heimlich maneuver to changing a flip and tire to the visor on your car mm -hmm. made from military strength, NASA material. It's all horse crap. If at the end of the day, it doesn't change your behavior and make you smarter, faster, stronger, and harder to kill. And the only way to be that person is to be able to assess the environment that you're in more rapidly than the people that are in your environment with you. And, and, mm -hmm. and that means taking a look and how, how do you harden a, a target? You know, uh, Cody, you and I go back and forth. Uh, uh, for example, I can't talk about the major airline uh, yeah. in, in the Southwest of the United States. Yeah. And, and as we're talking to them, it's about, hey, how do we do the measurement and assessment portion to harden you as a target? And what's the first thing? It's the human, okay? But that's not what we're doing, is it? We're talking about the structure. We're talking about the fence or the gate or the camera. While that's all necessary, school administrator, uh, teacher, uh, captain of industry, you must invest in the human capital because that first-line person is the one that can press the buzzer or say no or call the police or do those things before your security system and your security operators ever even know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Anytime that somebody says there were no cues, and, and uh, uh, Brian, uh, we have to mark that down for a future chat on what was the motive. All of that yeah. crap is unnecessary. It's what can predictive analysis, what can behavior analysis to the point of predicting danger do for my business's bottom line? How many lives can I save today? Would you agree? Yeah, and I, I think that's... Uh... I think that's a, actually a, a good point to uh, to kind of to kind of wrap on, unless you guys have anything else to add. Um, I, I, that's the whole point of, of why we need training. Is exactly it is you can save lives with it. Um, the whole predictive analysis thing is it's it's really hard for people to get their heads wrapped around at first, but but it's so intuitive because we already have the skill set. Every human being is born with with the biology just to survive this world. It's up to us to actually use what we have. And, and we, since, as you said at the beginning, uh, and I'll reiterate it now at the end is we, we lost that ability along the way with our over-reliance on technology. So, so that's why these situations not only continue to happen, but, but continue to happen more frequently. And, and I don't see that changing anytime soon, unless there is that major shift in how we look at it and how we deal with it. And, and I think obviously our training is, is the, one of the best ways to do it. Brian, if I can just throw this in, I, I've been conducting training uh, uh, vice education uh, since the late 70s. And when people would come to me and they would say, hey, how do I pick the best dojo for my martial arts needs? Mm -hmm. I would say, do me a favor, take as much time as you can to choose the dojo that's right for you because it's the first step that's going to be part of your life for the rest of your life. If, if somebody came to me and said, what's the best weapon for self-defense? I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell them a weapon. I would say, there's so many things that you got to understand. Where are you going to keep it? What type of holster? What's your grip strength like? Uh, uh, you know, where are you going to use it? Maybe coming to, going to work is going to be different than in an office. Uh, if somebody was going to tell me what training I need, listen, you need training that's going to enhance your ability to make those hard decisions when somebody popped yellow smoke, when somebody's shooting at you, when the alarms are sounding. And no gun in the world is going to be the answer. Uh, uh, a gun is part of an answer uh, of a response. But, man, you're in it right now. And, and just investing in a, a gun or a holster, a chemical aerosol spray, all that stuff, and, you know, putting a new solid core door, all of that stuff is important. Take some of that money before you spend any of that money and invest in your brain. Uh, science has been with us. Survival has been with us since we were on the face of the planet. We know we've got those critical core skills to be able to do it. Uh, so invest a little bit in your own human potential. And Cody, I think that's exactly what you were talking about. We don't spend enough time investing in the human capital in non-material solutions. Uh, uh -huh. And I think that's a key. Well, that and, and sometimes we're just doing things wrong. Um, and, and we don't call it, we don't call ourselves out on it. I'll, I'll, I'll relegate to one of my, my first platoon in the SEAL teams. Uh, we're doing a mobility course and, you know, got guys in the turret shooting 50 cals out of the Humvees and Mark 19s. And we're doing nighttime vehicle IADs with live, live fire 50 cals. And what are the targets? They're strobes. It's a, it's a green, it's a green man, green man that pops up and he's got a strobe yep. on him. And what do they tell us to do right before we just finished the safety brief and what they, what they tell us to do a hey, 50 cal, 50 cal gunners, put your strobes on. And no one said a damn thing. 
And then exactly. one, one chief raises his hand. He said, hey, guys, looks right at Trinidad. And he says, target, target systems are strobes, right? Mm-hmm. Why are we putting flashing strobes on our turret gunners yep. so that we can see them? Well, but they're going to look a lot like the targets. That go, blinding well, stroke of, of obvious. That's the, that you're right And they said, that's just what we do. We've got to be able to see the turret gunners because everyone's running blacked out. And he goes, there's got to be a better way to mark the turret. Got to be. Than, gotta be. Than, the, than the same flashing strobe that we're going to see on the targets. Cody, you've all, not, we, we all sat there. Everybody looked at each other. Everyone waited for somebody to make a decision. Guess what we did? We put strobes on the turret gunners, and we went out, and we did vehicle IADs. I know. The, the, the blinding flash of the obvious to that. I'll, I'll leave you with this, Cody. You haven't met him yet. Uh, the self-proclaimed hero of Fallujah, Kip Yeager. Uh, uh, and I mean self-proclaimed. And, and uh, Bing West actually wrote about you. wrote about him. But. Exactly. So now, now, Kip, it will give you a signed copy of Bing West's book. And we love Kip to death. But we were standing in a training course in El Paso. And uh, we were just ready to, 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 to do our training course. And so we were sort of auditing. And it's never fun to audit somebody else's course because obviously every SME hates every other SME. You know, no Marine is uh, uh, worse than anybody that, because a Marine will be downing another Marine. We all know how that works, yeah? So we're standing there, and the instructor kept saying, okay, so we're going to take the notional this, and then notionally this is going to come in and all that other stuff. And Kip looked at me, and he goes, then why don't we just notionally attend the flipping training? And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's the best line that I've ever heard. You can't come away with horrible training. You're not spending enough on your training. You're not getting enough bang for your buck. And, Cody, you're exactly right. There's training out there that we need to pull back the, the Wizard of Oz. We need to say, pay attention to the man behind the curtain because, uh, because mm-hmm. people are dying. And, yeah. and you know what? We don't need an increased body count. We don't need another school shooting. We don't need uh, uh, another incident of road rage that, that uh, goes wild. Uh, we need to spend more money on up-armoring the brain. All right, guys. Well, I think we'll kind of wrap there on that note. Uh, so thanks uh, for, for coming on here and doing this. Why don't you guys hang on for a second, and I'll, uh, I'll turn this off. But thanks for uh, everyone uh, listening. And uh, if you've made it to the end, then uh, congratulations. There's more coming. <laughs> so, Brian, uh, there, there are more coming, uh, and, and I know you're uh, going to do a wrap. But uh, please tell everybody, uh, what, what's the basic outline for the, for the website? How do we get to the website? Yep. And how do I look and up the podcast? I'll, I'll have links on there with this uh, below the video. But as well, just go to the website. It's Arcadia, A-R-C-A-D-I-A, Cognorati, C-O-G-N-E-R-A-T-I.com, ArcadiaCognorati.com. And you'll find everything you need to know. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everybody.